The final thoughts for week two of the NFL season. Ladies and gentlemen, the fellas, the fellas, the fellas, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Sit back, relax. This next half hour to 40 minutes or so is going to be for you so that you can get edumacated, win all the dollar ruskies, and be set up for week two of the NFL season with all the information you could possibly understand about how to win your fantasy leagues, sports betting, and oh yes, daily fantasy sports, whether you're playing on DraftKings, whether you're playing on Jock Market, whatever it might be for week two. I appreciate you all telling me we had a fantastic week one, and we're going to right now as it stands have a really good week two from a viewership perspective and engagement perspective. You all rock. You make this the best best community in all of fantasy sports. And hey, let's let's blow that up a little bit in all of YouTube. Yeah, I'm going to go there on this one. But thank you for being here. I appreciate it. If any point during this video, and if you're not already and you've seen a video of mine, shame on you. Give yourself a little pat on the back though, a little encouragement, like button, big old subscribe button pops up. I really do appreciate that. That is the number one way to help this channel grow. I get a lot of stardom sitem questions actually in my comments. I try and do a live stream every Thursday at noon, but I know everybody can't make that and ask a question. And then somebody had the idea, why don't you just have people ask you on TikTok and you can use that as content. Just make videos and answer the questions. And that's a great idea, in my opinion. It takes 30 seconds. I don't have the time to actually edit a bunch of real videos. So why not just document a bunch of answering of fantasy questions? And it seems to be doing pretty well after one day. So if you have any questions for fantasy, Salvetri on TikTok, leave a comment on one of my posts and I will get to it eventually. I would like to introduce, drumroll please, the sponsor of today's show. Heavy hitters coming in right now. Big honchos, jock market. Look, 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 look. Jock Market started sponsoring this channel last week. I got a lot of positive feedback and I got people itching right now. People are itching everywhere to get playing if they don't have the ability to because they're not in the Google Play Store yet and it's coming very, very soon. Jock Market, if you are not familiar, if you did not see a video last week, it is pretty much now where Daily Fantasy Sports meets Stock Exchange. For the NFL in week two, they have free contests. Yes, a $1,200 free contest. But the big thing, the big thing that you want to be focusing on is they actually have cash markets. That's what's setting them apart right now from a bunch of different other sites in the industry is yeah, you can go play the free contest. That's all fine and well. $1,200 up for grabs. But cash contest, you can actually now invest your own money and go in there and say, you know what? I have education. I watch Sal's videos. I do my own research. I know what players right now are being undervalued based on where they are currently going, what their bidding price is, what their IPO price is, whatever it might be. I'm going to get some shares of this player with my own hard earned money. Last week, if you had Russell Wilson, for example, if you had any shares of Russell Wilson, my oh my, those shares popped off in a major way. Devontae Adams, right? If you knew Devontae Adams was in a great spot, last week. We talked about it on this show. He looked like in an unguardable spot and that's what happens. He goes out there and gives you hundreds of percentages of returns on jock market. You can make money every hour, every minute, every day because they have the live format and they found this way to gel together fantasy sports and the stock market and sports betting and live betting on top of that, which is something that I think is rapidly growing in this industry. So there's a ton of strategy to it. Check it out down below in the Apple store. You're going to be getting at the app store, jock market coming to the Google play store very, very soon. Check it out. We'll be talking about it throughout this show. So with all that said, let's get into the quarterbacks right now. We're going to be going over a lot of stuff. And I'm going to be referencing my projections on the other screen. And I'm also going to be heavily referencing the 20 plus pages of game by game notes that is up on Patreon, projections and ranks all up on Patreon right now. But let's start it out with Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. So it looks like Atlanta might be at a disadvantage on the offensive line against Dallas in this game. It's not anything crazy, minus 6% according to Pro Football Focus. Dallas's defense in week one ranked 16th in pass rush. Their overall coverage ranked 28th though. So it looks like it'd actually be a nice matchup if he gets time, Matt Ryan, in that secondary. Matt Ryan in week one threw 54 times. He supported three receivers for over 100 yards and 
10 targets each. He had 450 passing yards and 305 completed air yards. The Cowboys, Jordan Lewis, a slot cornerback out of Michigan, a very good player now, been in the league for a couple of years, is going to be questionable with an ankle for week two, so something to keep an eye on. Matt Ryan averaged 8.3 yards per attempt in week one. I have him projecting out very nicely, and we know the obvious stacking options. Julio, Calvin Ridley, although they're expensive, they're still cheap options. Russell Gage pops off last week, and they're continuing to say that that's going to be something to keep an eye out for. It's not just a one-hit wonder. I mean, he did it last year, leading the entire team in targets during the final four or five games of the season, although Ridley was hurt. And you also have Hayden Hurst, who ran a lot of rounds, but had a tough matchup last week against Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams in that secondary and in the middle linebacking core for the Seahawks. So lots to like here for Matt Ryan. I like it a lot. Nice pace environment as well. Next up, you get Matthew Stafford here coming into this one as an underdog, a five and a half, six point underdog against a division rival, Green Bay Packers. He's $6,200 on DraftKings. And look, I like it. Green Bay was ranked seventh in pressure last week and 16th in coverage. So it's not going to be the best spot for time, that is, for Matthew Stafford, whose offensive line was at least top 11 in week one. But the Packers are going to be coming in with a 36% pressure advantage over this offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. Not great. Matthew Stafford threw 42 times in week one. Did not have Kenny Galladay. Keep an eye on Kenny Galladay's injury. That's going to be a big factor whether I want to play Matthew Stafford or not, because it opens up more reliable stacking options. Playing Matt Stafford with Kenny Galladay and or Marvin Jones, and then you can get Hawkinson into those stacks rather than having to play Quinton Cyphers, who saw 10 targets as a rookie. Seventh red zone targets last week. He was fourth in overall air yards thrown with 371. So that means he's targeting players pretty deep. A 7.1 yards per attempt is pretty much league average. He finished 15th there last week. Protection rate was not good. 28th in the league after week one with a 73% protection rate. And he had wide receivers dropping four passes. Kenny Galladay being back should help that if indeed he is back. Give me some Matthew Stafford. I like the stacks for GPPs. Next up is Kyler Murray. If you're playing cash, if you're playing GPPs, Kyler Murray is insanely too cheap here. Look, I like Kyler Murray a lot this week. He's coming in overall fifth on the jock market pricing this week. So that means you think he's going to finish fifth in fantasy points. Do you think it'll be more or less? I'm going to try and bid on some Kyler Murray. I have him as my third projected out overall quarterback. I have him right now as a top five overall scorer on the slate. So I'm kind of right around the market, but I think a lot of people might not bid him all the way up to that. So I'm going to be trying to get some Kyler Murray unless you guys are going to now take that away from me. But according to PFF, Arizona is going to have a negative 11% run blocking advantage. The Washington defense ranked very good. Third overall in pass rush in week one against a bad Eagles offensive line. Their defense ranked 12th in coverage. Their defense looked very good, but a lot of that was powered by their front seven, which looks to be an elite front seven right now. Kyler Murray, his legs were going yet again. He was not good in the passing game at all. He was actually very bad, but his legs kind of made up for that and getting the victory made up for that. He only averaged 5.4 yards per attempt. League average is seven. Like that's absolutely abysmal, but he had 13 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And he's going to have to use that mobility again. And he might actually get it to be able to, because a lot of his runs in week one were off his scrambles because the offensive line was breaking down. And you're going to be seeing that probably this week again against a Washington defense that had eight sacks in week one. But Kyler Murray's rushing upside. He projects out as my number one value play on DraftKings at the quarterback position, which means he looks like a very good cash game consideration and a good cash game option. Next up, you get Phillip Rivers in just a matchup that Aaron Rodgers destroyed last week and Devontae Adams and Scantling and Alan Lazard. All these players went off against this Minnesota secondary with rookie Holton Hill out there and Mike Hughes and just not a lot of great players and they got absolutely torched. Phillip Rivers is going to come in according to PFF with a 33% pass blocking advantage behind that fantastic offensive line and it looks good. Paris Campbell, in my opinion, might be the number one receiver on this team. I said it before week one, he's my favorite receiver to play in DFS. It's probably going to be from at least this team, probably going to be the case again. But yes, T.Y. Hilton will be in those stacks. Keep an eye on Michael Pittman's health status right now and if he's even going to be running ahead of Zach Pascal. And then I'm going to be throwing the running back 
quarterbacks in Naeem Himes and mainly Jonathan Taylor. We'll see about Hines in my stacking options. Minnesota's defense ranked 32nd, dead last in pass rush in week one. Their secondary ranked 24th, although they gave up the most overall yards in week one from efficiency metrics. So the Vikings not looking great overall. 364 passing yards allowed in week one was the second worst in the league. And now you have a pressure rate of just 26% after one week. That again was bottoms in the league. So 363 yards on 46 attempts in week one. Third in accuracy rating for Philip Rivers. Everybody's saying, oh, he's so inaccurate. He looks terrible. Third in accuracy rating, not bad for going over 350 yards. I like this a lot for Philip Rivers. You know the clear and obvious stacking spots. You're not going to get the rushing upside, but you're banking on the fact that he can dominate this secondary. Give me some of that. And then next up, we have a couple of more yeses here that I'll go through and then I'll kind of just touch on the maybes. You can see all the quarterbacks on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching on the podcast, how you doing? Be sure to leave a review, $50 giveaway to one person who leaves a review each week on the Sal Vetri show on the podcast version, the Apple Store. You can also do that at the App Store and the iTunes Store. You can also do that if you're just listening in general uh, on the YouTube video if you want to go over there. If you want to go to Jared Goff, the Rams ranked fourth in pass protection in week one. So not a good offensive line usually, but it looked very good in week one. They were using play action passing at extreme rates, which I thought was very encouraging. 41.2% of the time. He had a 92% adjusted completion percentage. 8.9 yards per attempt was fourth in the league. I like this a lot. Now he was dead last in air yards per attempt. He was dead last in overall air yards thrown with 120, 125 among all quarterbacks, at least quarterbacks that we can actually talk about the stats after week one for the amount of attempts that they threw. So that's a concern. And if you watch the game, a lot of it was throwing at the line of scrimmage to screens and things like this to Tyler Higby, a lot to Robert Woods, not downfield. And then guys like Robert Woods were doing a lot after the catch, which is kind of status quo for Woods now. Four carries for 15 yards, nice little bonus there uh, for Jared Goff. You have the clear stacking options. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, those are probably the guys that you're going to be stacking. Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds downfield rolls after week one do not look that great. 31 attempts last week for Goff, one, only one deep ball, eight red zone targets though. And a lot of that's going to help Tyler Higby and Cooper Cup in the red zone. So those are the guys that I'll probably put in stacks with Jared Goff, who's affordable at 5,800. So now Tom Brady, we have to keep an eye on some things. It looks like Mike Evans is going to be 100% healthy. They said he's over this hamstring thing now that limited him a lot in week one. Even though he ran a bunch of routes, he was kind of banged up on those routes. Now you have a guy in Curtis Goblin in the concussion protocol. I have no idea what's going to happen with this. I had a concussion for 15 months that still, I don't want to say haunts me, but still affects me today in bright areas and in kind of stimulating spots with crowds. So a concussion, no idea. It could last two days and he'll be off of it, or it could last two years and it could be something that really does affect him, like a lot of other players in this league, Jordan Reed, Sean Lee, a lot of other players in this league. So Tom Brady, you're going to be having here. I like Tom Brady if you can get all the passing options in there. Scotty Miller looked good week one, but I don't want to be having stacking options when there's so many good quarterbacks on the slate that are still affordable around him, with just like Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, and Justin Watson and the Titans. I don't really want to be doing that. So I want Chris Goblin in there. That's going to affect how much Tom Brady I get because of his price point at $6,500. Brady did not look good in week one, but he did have 299 air yards, which was top 10. A 6.6 yards per attempt was well below the league overall average. But this is the scary thing. The adjusted yards per attempt, just 4.8. I mean, that's brutal. Brady did not look good in week one at all, but Carolina ranked 30th in pass rush. It's going to be a positive 30% pass blocking advantage for this Tampa Bay team. So I do like to see that. A 64% true completion percentage is very bad. So this is what we need this week. You have a much worse defense coming to town in their secondary, in their pass rush. If we have Godwin in there, I do think that they're going to have enough time for Tom Brady to kind of pick this defense apart. The issue is you have a very similar play this week in terms of not a lot of mobility, going to be pocket passing and Philip Rivers, and he's cheaper with healthier options around him. So not as interested in Tom Brady compared to the other guys around him, but definitely will be in play for me if Godwin is healthy. And then the final yes, I'll read off the other guys who are going to be maybes. Lamar Jackson and Mahomes. Yes, you can play them. If you can afford them in cash, go for them. And GPPs, I'll be having more Mahomes stacks with his weapons. And you also have cheap guys to stack in there like Demarcus Robinson. Of course, you can play them. Some more maybes. Carson Wentz looks like the offensive line is going to be healthier. I like that. Gardner Minshew, a 95% completion percentage, 100% adjusted completion percentage last week on 20 attempts. Now they come in as 10 point underdog. He's going to have to throw a little bit more. Mitch Trubisky, Tyrod Taylor, and Deshaun Watson are all maybes for me. My final yes is Dak Prescott. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have a pass blocking advantage here. The offensive line with that Lyle Collins, with Travis Frederick retiring, looked really bad week one. He was pressured a lot, Dak Prescott. It was kind of concerning. So I think they're going to have a negative pass blocking advantage here. That's what Pro Football says, negative 14%. It 
Atlanta's defense was 12th in pass rush, 26th in coverage though, which is kind of status quo now, Atlanta's secondary being terrible for the last three to four years. They gave up 299 passing yards week one, which ranked 28th out of 32 teams in the league. What you're getting right now is starting offensive tackles Cameron Irving and Lyle Collins are both going to be out this week. So yet again, it's going to be an issue for this Dallas offensive line. Blake Jarwin is out for the season with an ACL. So this is kind of a concern. But Atlanta's secondary that is already bad has Kendall Sheffield with a foot questionable. And then also Denard, who's a cornerback, is going to be questionable as well. So a bad secondary, already going to be banged up even more. You have the clear stacking options for Dak here. Gallup is way too cheap. CeeDee Lamb is way too cheap. And now you have Amari, who, yeah, he's priced up to an extent, but relative to the other guys around him, I think he's too cheap for his upside. So go ahead, give me some Dak, although he's pressured on 42% of his dropbacks last week. I'll take it. I'll take some of the mobility upside as well. So that's our quarterbacks. And now let's get into the running backs. As we get into the running backs, if you're getting any information that you find valuable at this point and you're watching on the YouTube channel, please do take a second of your time. Hit me with that like button. I really do appreciate that. Big old subscribe button pops up. Thank you so much in advance. And the running backs are going to be sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Look, it's a player prop site. You want the more or less, you want the over under receptions, fantasy points. My projections for fantasy points will help you out over on Patreon. But a new thing that Monkey Knife Fight is doing, promo code VETRI, my last name, V-E-T-R-I. They'll give you 50 bucks. You just get $50 to play with the Monkey Knife Fight. Obviously, you have to put a minimum deposit in of $10 and then they'll give you $50 Ruski. It's an NFL promo. I don't know how long they're doing this, but if you want $50, you put $10 in. Now you have 60 in your account. You put $20 in. Now you have 70 in your account, whatever it might be. $50, promo code VETRI, V E T R I, allows you now to just play a bunch of props. You think Ezekiel is going to have over under two and a half receptions? I think he's going to have the over on that one. Things like that. So be sure to sign up. It's linked down below for the link to get over there and then use the promo code VETRI, V E T R I. Let them know that you came from the show and get you a $50 Ruskies. So now we get into the running backs. Look, Christian McCaffrey is always going to be somebody I'm interested in, but there was kind of a concern with only four targets in week one Christian McCaffrey only having three receptions right he ends up getting in on the ground twice for over 90 yards but only four three receptions for 38 yards I believe in the air that might be somewhat of an issue and that concerned me a little bit but then I looked into it more he played 100% of the snaps Christian McCaffrey he had an offensive line that ranked 26 in run blocking so that's a concern against Tampa that was the number one run defense last year according to DVOA and 10th after week one so it becomes an issue but he played 100% of the snaps 93% of the opportunity share six red zone touches and he had 26 total touches and here's the thing that gets pretty interesting he ran 26 routes he had a 76% route participation which was still tops in the league. So I don't really think there's much to dive into here. Teddy Bridgewater maybe didn't target him as much, but I think it's going to all come to play when he ran a route on 76% of Teddy Bridgewater's dropbacks. Again, by far number one in the league last week, 12.7 yards per reception, was second in the NFL for all running backs, 134 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions. So I think McCaffrey is still fine. It is a tough matchup now on the ground, and it is still very difficult to fit McCaffrey in without any cheapies opening up in cash options. So I'm probably not getting to McCaffrey in my cash games as of right now, unless a cheap running back opens up. And I don't think you have to. In GPPs, yeah, I had like 30% last week. It was completely fine when he goes off for 25 plus fantasy points. I'll be fine. I'll be there yet again. Next up for me is Ezekiel Elliott, who ran a very strong 28 routes run in week one. He's a yes for me. I think the Cowboys are going to have a negative run blocking advantage this week, but it'll be pretty close to neutral. He had 22 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown in week one. He also caught three balls for 31 yards and a touchdown. I don't know how he didn't get tackled on that receiving touchdown on four targets. So it's pretty decent. The Falcons run defense ranked 20th after one week, but they did rank fifth in tackling. So it's only a one week sample. We'll see what happens. Elliott did have five evaded tackles. He ran 28 routes and he saw 25 overall touches. So he was kind of clicking in every single department. He was getting all the red zone work. He was getting some receiving game work that we saw two years ago out of Zeke with a very nice routes run number. He was evading tackles with five of them and getting 66 yards after contact. So all parts of his game were clicking. Now he gets a nice matchup against Atlanta. I'm fine starting my cash lineups with Zeke, an $1,800 price discount for 
for Ezekiel Elliott, who right now, if I look at my projections, a little peek behind the curtain, for Ezekiel Elliott, for me, I projected for 20.7 fantasy points. Not as much as Christian McCaffrey, but enough for me to say, you know what? The price difference is actually going to be pretty relative in terms of the value of these two players. Zeke right now is 17th ranked overall on Monkey Knife Fight. I'm going to be well above that. He's my second overall ranked running back this week. If I look at wide receivers, he's only going to be behind one wide receiver in Devontae Adams. He's ahead of all of my tight ends, and he's only behind about three or four quarterbacks. So for me, Ezekiel Elliott is going to be a top 10 play. So I'm going to be getting some shares in those cash markets. Again, go check them out, the cash markets, real money contests uh, over there in Ezekiel Elliott. He looks a little bit too cheap. And this next guy is going to look way, way, way too cheap on jock market. 24th overall there. Kenyon Drake is somebody that I'm going to get way, 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 way too much of this week. All these guys for Arizona seem to be underpriced outside of the man who absolutely blows up last week in DeAndre Hopkins. He saw 71% of the snaps in week one. He saw overall 18 opportunities. So he saw the bigger overall opportunity share. Kenyon Drake, 16 carries, 60 yards and a touchdown in week one. He ended up seeing two targets, just two catches for five yards. Chase Evans actually saw five targets and three receptions and a touchdown receiving. So maybe a little bit of concern in the passing game there for Kenyon Drake. Washington's defense ranked 12th in run defense in week one, 19th in tackling overall. But I'm okay going back to Kenyon Drake here because even if I only give him like 16 or 17 touches, this matchup and his overall projection at the price point is looking way too good. I have Kenyon Drake projecting out for almost 18 fantasy points. Right now, Kenyon Drake is my number one value play on DraftKings. Value play does not mean who's in the three and 4K range at their positions. No, it means who's going to be the best bang for your dollar. And overall right now on DraftKings, out of all the running backs, Kenyon Drake actually is my number one value play in the slate at just $5,900. I like it. We saw him run 25 routes. He's involved there as well. We see him on the field in far majority of the time. Over 70% snap share is actually good to see. I was expecting to see somewhere around 60 or 65%. Get yourself some Kenyon Drake. He's ranked 24th right now in jock market. I think that's a little bit too high. I have him like right now, my 17th to 16th overall play. Jonathan Taylor, this is the man. If you're playing cash, this is the man. If you're playing GPPs, this is the man. Jonathan Taylor is the absolute dude. The only reason Jonathan Taylor wasn't a first round pick and maybe a top five overall pick this year was because Marlon Mack was ahead of him. Now Marlon Mack isn't there. So Jonathan Taylor very quickly becomes one of the best plays on the slate at $5,700 against a Minnesota team that showed no defensive line, that showed no defense at all in week one. He averaged an elite 5.15 yards per route run on 13 routes. He saw seven targets if you factor in penalties because there was one that got called back. So six overall targets. He caught all of them for an 100% catch rate. He played on 35% of the snaps, but that's clearly going up because you did see Marlon Mack in there for 15% of the snaps. So they named him the starter. I think you're seeing 50 plus percent of the snaps. I think you're kind of locking him into 15 carries. And with Philip Rivers, who threw 37% of the time to running backs in week one, I think you're probably locking in three to four targets at a minimum, two to three receptions at a minimum. So I'm giving Jonathan Taylor this week 17 and a half touches at his price point of 5,700 behind the number one offensive line with the number one check down friendly quarterback. This looks very, very good. The Colts have an insane 75% run blocking advantage this week. He's just going to run to daylight. He's going to get all the red zone work like he did last week. Nine carries for 22 yards on the ground, six receptions for 67 yards in the air on six targets in week one. Vikings ranked 31st in run defense and 17th in tackling after one week. The stars are aligning. Jonathan Taylor, 47th ranked right now in jock market. I think a lot of people might go here as a popular play, but it's just too good, right? Go ahead, bid on Jonathan Taylor. Don't be afraid to bid a little bit higher. I have him right now finishing as a top 25 overall play this week. I like Jonathan Taylor a lot on jock market. I love him a lot on DraftKings. And then my final three yeses at the running back position, we'll start with Miles Sanders, who seems to be over this injury after he missed week one, likely to go now in week two. Philly ranked 31st in run blocking in week one. Not great. Now you have the Rams coming in who ranked 14th in run defense in week one. Defensive line from a pressure standpoint, better than their run defense though. At 6K, he's just too strong of a play for me, Miles Sanders right now at this spot. Miles Sanders, if I filter this by value at $6,000, he's going to be a top five play for me. Look, Miles Sanders is game flow independent with his passing game role. I think you're going to see Miles Sanders seeing a minimum of 15 touches, the upside of 20 plus in a spot that I think he can benefit from. I like this a lot on all formats. Clyde Edwards Lair got the workhorse role with six overall touches in the red zone. He had 25 touches in week one, first running back to do that in a very long time. The Chiefs have a positive run blocking advantage this week, 25 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown. No receptions on two targets. The receiving numbers are definitely going to be coming up and they're going to be playing from ahead in a lot. 
and 1.7 touchdowns per game. I've harped on this stat because Patrick Mahomes, when running backs are in his offense, those running backs average 1.7 touchdowns per game. And when a guy is going to be seeing 20 plus touches, and maybe he doesn't see it this week, although I think he'll come close in Clyde Edwards Lair, he's going to find the end zone a lot in an offense that's always going to be projected for a lot of points. A 28.5 team total this week. I like Clyde Edwards Lair. And then Derrick Henry, it's pretty clear. AJ Brown is now going to miss, but they were already 10 and a half point favorites. They gave Derrick Henry 34 touches in week one. Derrick Henry only saw 3.7 yards per carry in a difficult matchup. Now gets a, I would say, very easy matchup against the Jacksonville defense in a front here. Derrick Henry looks to be a smash play if you play on sites like FanDuel, where it's only a half point PPR or no PPR, but a plus 33% run blocking advantage. I don't know if I can get there in cash games with Derrick Henry with guys like Zeke around him who have outs in the passing game, but in GPPs, Derrick Henry looks like a strong play. Again, 31 carries, 34 over touches, 94% opportunity share. He actually ran a career high, 22 routes and saw three targets and three receptions in week one. That's encouraging. He saw two goal line attempts. He saw all the red zone work, eight red zone touches. So yes, Derrick Henry is set up to explode. The rest of my running backs that I have interest in, there's a lot of them, right? Like Aaron Jones, Ronald Jones, who saw a ton of work in week one, 17 touches on the ground, but he only ran 11 routes as LaShawn McCoy was the primary receiving game back. James Robinson, who saw a ton of work in week one and actually saw a lot of yardage, over 85 total yards on 17 touches, 16 carries, which Chris Thompson saw none of them. But now they're 10-point underdogs. Does Chris Thompson get some more run? Maybe. That's why he is a maybe for me. Tariq Cohen, Melvin Gordon in a brutal spot versus Pittsburgh that just held, say, Quan Barkley to six yards. But Philip Lindsay is, as of right now, leaning like he might not play. Naeem Himes, 5,300 is fine, but I'm going to the workhorse and Jonathan Taylor on his team for $400 more. David Johnson, tough matchup against Baltimore, but he still looks good. He ran 32 routes in week one. If he's going to be that involved in the passing game, it's hard not to like David Johnson below $6,000 in all formats. 39th ranked right now on Jock Market. I think that's a little bit under. I have him as around a top 35 play. Austin Eckler, I'm still fine on 20 touches, 19 carries, a career high. Yes, only 3% of the passes from Tyrod Taylor went to running backs. That's a concern. But this week's matchup against the Chiefs, who have been historically bad against the run the last two to three years, and were second worst in the league week one. I'm fine going back to Eckler. Davin Cook, Todd Gurley, and Saquon are all maybes for me. So I have my primary yeses, the seven that we kind of went in detail on. Let's now move to the wide receiver position. And wide receiver, as always, is going to have so many names. So I'll kind of list off the ones that are just going to be my stacking options and maybes because I have just so many wide receivers listed. I've got like 38 listed here, 37, because yeah, if I'm going to be stacking, like 12 different quarterbacks in my 150 lineups, obviously I'm going to have a bunch of wide receivers and then some one-off options. So to start this bad boy off, Chris Godwin, look, Chris Godwin's in the concussion protocol. If he clears this thing and he's healthy to play, he's good to go. Uh, two years ago, Devontae Adams was in the concussion protocol on Sunday. And then on Thursday night football, he played and had a fantastic game with two touchdowns. So don't be telling me, oh, he's in the concussion protocol. Is he going to be hundred percent healthy? I have no idea. It's different for every person. If he's active and healthy, I'm assuming that he thinks he's healthy. The team thinks he's healthy and I'll trust their protocols to get him back on the field safe and healthy. So if Chris Godwin is out there and good to go, this matchup is going to be fantastic in the middle of the field. He ran 39 routes last week on seven targets. He produced six receptions for 79 yards. An incredible matchup versus the 31st ranked secondary of Carolina. 94% of the snaps last week, 40 slot snaps was fantastic to see a 20.6% overall target share and 29 yards after the catch, which is where he excelled last year. That was 10th overall in the league after week one. Next up, Devontae Adams, which I don't really have to say much about Devontae Adams. If you want to play Adams in cash, it's going to be more expensive to do so now, but go ahead if you can fit it in there and like the rest of your lineup. Obviously in GPPs as a one-off or if you want to stack him is fine. I like him. I have him better than his 13th rank right now in Jock Market. I have, as, I have him as a top 10 scorer this week. Look, the matchup, no matter who you want to give him in the secondary, if it's Amani, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a great matchup. Adams played 23% out of the slot last week and 49% out left. A 41.5% target share for Adams was number two in the league, which is just crazy high. The Packers ran the fifth most passing plays. They were ahead by one to two to three scores in the second half. A former Packers team would have ran the ball. They kept throwing. That's very encouraging for Adams, who was third in air yards with 165, first in catches with 14, 119 completed air yards with 
second. So much opportunity on three deep targets as well. Adams, of course, is in play for me yet again. Julio Jones, likely going to see some Trevion Diggs here. It's a fine spot. Trevion Diggs is not going to be too much of a concern for me, right? A rookie, 43% positive matchup for Julio, who went off last week for nine catches, 157 yards on 12 targets, ended up being a 23% overall target share. He'll also see some of Woozy. It's not going to be a shadow matchup by any means. 188 air yards was second in the league after week one. 13.1 yards per target was 10th. I like this a lot. PFF grades him as the ninth overall wide receiver advantage so far this week. So yes, Julio, of course, is in play. And in those Matt Ryan stacks, he's going to be an option. $7,400 is expensive. But when you compare it to the upside of guys that are priced at running back positions in that price range, yeah, I think there's a lot of upside here for Julio to see, again, a ton of yards again and a lot of targets. He's a targets and yards monster, which is something that's going to be awarded on DraftKings in a PPR format. DeAndre Hopkins likely sees Fabian Moreau, who's very good in week one, but terrible last week. So I think a lot of that has to do with their pressure. Hopkins goes off in week one for 14 receptions on a 43.2% target share, tops in the league, 103 air yards, which is 22nd. I think you're going to see more Christian Kirk this week, who was locked up by Richard Sherman last week. So maybe not a breakout performance from Hopkins. And since he's more expensive than Julio and Godwin, I prefer those guys more. I probably even prefer Adams for $400 more, but I'm still going to have to go to Hopkins here just based on that target share. I don't think it's going to drop from 43% to like 20%. It's going to stay close probably to 30%. It seems like Mike Evans is 100% healthy. And if that's the case, he's probably $600 to $800 underpriced. Mike Evans is $6,400. There's a couple of wide receivers we're about to talk about who are way too cheap. He played banged up week one. He ran 27 rounds, 97% of the snaps against Marshawn Lattimore. He produced one catch for two yards. He was banged up, right? And Marshawn Lattimore always shuts this guy down. He goose egged him last year. But he played 21 slot snaps. They're saying that he's now fully healthy. My projection currently for Mike Evans is going to make him look like one of the best value plays in the slate. But the guy that is the best value play in the slate for me at the wide receiver position is this next player at the same price point, which makes it a little bit more difficult to get a lot of Evans. He's going to be on a lot of my Tampa Bay stacks. But as one-off options, I'm probably going to go primarily to Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson will have a strong matchup in the secondary. Yes, James Bradbury is there, but I'm not concerned with it. It's not going to be a shadow matchup. He'll see a lot of uh, Ballantine as well. 25% target share and nine targets last week. 150 areas was six. So there's a lot of upside here coming. He saw five deep targets in week one, a 47% air yard share, which was seventh in the NFL and two red zone looks. Allen Robinson at $6,400 is criminally underpriced. I actually personally view Allen Robinson as an elite wide receiver in this league. At $6,400, I have him projected for 17.8 fantasy points. That is by far my number one value play at the wide receiver position. I'm going to have a lot of Allen Robinson. He currently ranks out 46 on jock market. Go dominate that. Go ahead, download jock market. I'll also call out that their app is linked down below. Their website is linked down below. Check out jock market ASAP and get some shares of Allen Robinson. And then there's just a couple of other receivers in this price range that I like. I like DJ Moore at $6,300. He played 92% of the snaps last week. He saw 100 air yards, which is top 25. Two deep targets, 13.5 yards per attempt. He'll probably see a very easy matchup in the secondary led by Carlton Davis. That should be fine. 33 routes run last week and nine targets. Yes, you saw Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel also seeing a lot of targets, but I think DJ Moore continues to be the stud here and I think he's going to be fine. There's no reason to get overly concerned with the target share distribution yet because he still saw a pretty nice 26.5% target share in week one. Amari Cooper is going to be in a lot of my DAC stacks at $6,300. makes it easy to get to him. Last week, he had 10 receptions on 13 targets for 81 yards. He played 100% of the snaps in week one. It's going to likely see a lot of AJ Terrell, which is a very strong matchup. PFF has it as a positive 38% matchup. He had a 38% target share in week one. He saw two red zone targets, top 20 air yards in week one. So yeah, everything lines up for Amari Cooper. All these guys in this mid six range give you a lot of upside and also a floor. At their price point, they don't have to give you 18 to 20 fantasy points, but a lot of them are going to project out for around 14 to 15 plus with the ceilings that they score a touchdown or so of 20 plus fantasy points. So all these guys in Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Robinson, Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, they're all 
all very much strongly in play for me and guys that I like, especially because for the majority of them, if not all of them, I can find very good stacking options with their quarterback and other players on their team. Now, if we can get to a couple of cheaper options, one guy that I want to focus on and really both guys from this team, T.Y. Hilton saw about a 20% target share in week one. He saw a lot of nice targets, 16th in air yards downfield with over 105 air yards. He caught four of his nine targets for 53 yards. I think T.Y. Hilton's in a very good spot here. He ran 40 routes in week one. He's just 5,700 against this atrocious Minnesota secondary. He'll probably see a lot of Holton Hill. And then the other guy that I like a lot, who's still not expensive enough, $3,900 this week, goes up to $4,500. A 2X multiplier in Superdraft looks good. 101st right now in jock market looks fine to me. He's going to have a matchup advantage of about 12% according to PFF this week. Nine targets last week, a 20% target share, six receptions for 71 yards, instant connection with a guy in Philip Rivers in the slot, who's a slot plus version of Keenan Allen. Kind of looks like Chris Goblin out there out of Ohio State, Big Ten school, as well as Godwin in Paris Campbell. Go ahead and give me some of that. The other guys that I think I have is yeses right now. Terry McLaurin, Michael Gallup. I love Michael Gallup in these stacks. Michael Gallup is way too cheap right now. Michael Gallup is my number two overall value play projection wise, 14.8 fantasy points at 5,600 against Atlanta. Yes, Michael Gallup is probably going to be the first player into any DAC stacks that I start or if I'm only playing one lineup, that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to try and go to Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and see what we can do from there. A lot of people are going to be down on Michael Gallup after his week one performance. He is way too cheap this week. And then my final yes, Deontay Johnson. Saw 10 targets. Yes, Juju got in the end zone twice, but Deontay Johnson actually saw 10 targets in week one on that Monday night game from Big Ben. He's going to have a fine matchup this week. I like it. Six receptions for 57 yards, a 32.3% target share after one week. Very sneakily top six in the league, sixth overall. He had two contested catches that he brought both of them down. This kid was very hyped up in like April and May for fantasy leagues. And after week one, he's kind of fitting that bill. Expect Deontay Johnson to find the end zone very soon, if not this week. Some other receivers to just call out here. Jalen Rieger finished seventh overall in air yards. He's $4,100. Any one stacks that I go to? Yes, Jalen Rieger is going to be an easy fit in there. Also a 2X multiplier on Superdraft. 110th on Jock Market. Fine to go to there on all formats. Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, Kenny Galladay. All these guys are going to be either stacking options or runback options primarily, most likely. Calvin Ridley, DJ Shark. So I can name a bunch of players down here, right? Christian Kirk's an interesting one. Got shut down last week. Looks to be a much better play this week. Since he doesn't have to go up against Richard Sherman and be sacrificed there, Christian Kirk, I don't have as a standout play, but I do have currently Christian Kirk as a top 25 wide receiver, 23rd overall. So that makes him look pretty good. He makes my player pool. And then a bunch of other guys are down here. Deshaun Jackson was number one in air yards with 214 on five deep targets after one week. So a lot of air yards. Now we get to Rams secondary that yes, is going to be pretty decent. He probably sees Jalen Ramsey, but Ramsey struggled last year. He struggled week one also against Mark Cooper. So I don't really know how great or elite we can say Ramsey is. I think he's good, of course, still, but I don't think it's as bad of a matchup as people are going to take on face value. And then if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the yes, the rest of the yeses and maybes, the guys like Marvin Jones, Jameson Crowder. There's some guys who are questionable like Crowder, like Kenny Galladay. Just keep an eye on these guys, right? Uh, before you set your final lineups, of course, as always. But a lot of guys down here, Cooper Cup, Rashad Perriman's only $3,800. He's in play. Also should point out, since it looks like AJ Brown's going to miss, it makes Marlon Humphreys more appealing at $3,400, probably from a cash game perspective. It makes Corey Davis, who had over 100 yards in week one. And finally, the top five overall pick a few years back does something. It makes him look more appealing. These guys join my interest pool. I do like Derrick Henry in the run game a lot more there, but they're at least cheap options. It may be cash game consideration. And then finally, we get to tight ends where I have a couple of yeses and then a list of maybe. So before you get here, please do hit that like button if you could for me one time. Thank you, Jock Market, for sponsoring this video. I really do appreciate it. Be sure to check them out in the App Store. It's linked down below for the Apple Store and their website as well. Take two seconds of your time. Click that link in the description and it'll take you right on over there so you can get the app and you can dominate some people in those cash markets. A like button, subscribe button. Thank you all so much. About 15,000 of you viewed this video last week. Absolutely insane. Thank you for all the support. I really do appreciate you all. We'll start it off with Mark Andrews at $6,300 who had five catches, 86 yards and two touchdowns 
touchdowns. He played a lot more snaps last week with no more Hayden Hurst there. He's now off to Atlanta. That was good to see. Normally he doesn't play a lot of snaps, but he still runs a lot of routes. 146.5 overall quarterback rating when he was targeted. He's going to have like a positive 32% advantage in his matchup this week against the Houston secondary and Eric Murray, according to PFF. And that would be the number one graded matchup of the entire weekend. He was third in air yards with 75 yards. He had 12.5 average target distance, which was also third and four red zone targets, which is just absolutely elite and an acrobatic catch to top it off. Next up, I'll take some Hayden Hurst here. He played 27 slot snaps last week, which is good to see. He ran like 40 plus routes. He saw two deep targets, the only tight end to see two deep targets, and he just didn't produce anything when everybody else was. Again, he played Bobby Wagner, like I stated earlier, and also Jamal Adams in the secondary. Just a brutal spot and not a good matchup for Hurst. I'll go right back to him here. I think it's going to be a fine spot. He'll have a matchup advantage according to Pro Football Focus of 35 plus percent. He was first among tight ends in air yards, which is good to see with 80 and deep targets, like I said, with two. So Hayden Hurst, look for the bounce back spot here and a cheap option for any of your Matt Ryan Atlanta stacks. Because of Zach Ertz not having a fantastic week one, although he played fine, like three catches, 18 yards and a touchdown, just didn't go off in the yardage department. He's going to not be that expensive yet again. Only $5,600 is way too cheap for having 18 slot snaps and seven targets last week tied for third among all tight ends. He played overall 92% of the snaps, ran 26 routes, a 16.7% target share. He saw 57 air yards, which is top eight in the league, a deep target in a red zone look. So look, I don't think there's anything wrong with Zach Ertz after one week. Dallas Goddard just had a nice big play and run after the catch for a touchdown. And that makes him pop off a little bit more, but it also increases Dallas Goddard's price point to now make him look very similar to Zach Ertz, which I don't think is the case, at least not yet. So yes, Zach Ertz for me at 5,600 is indeed in play. All righty. And here's your cash game tight end. Look, it's just too easy at this point. $3,600 Logan Thomas. You can obviously go to other options for cash game tight ends, but how am I not going to recommend $3,600 Logan Thomas in all formats? A 26% target share in week one. He had eight targets, second behind only Dallas Goddard for all tight ends. He was fourth in errors with 72. He had four receptions, 37 yards, and found the end zone on those eight targets, led the entire team with a 26.7% target share. It's going to be a fine matchup. Maybe it's a slight disadvantage against Arizona, who really did hurt, hold down George Kittle and the tight ends in the middle of the field against the San Francisco 49ers. They were terrible last year, but they kind of fixed some of those things, drafting a first round pick there, adding some guys on the free agent market as well. But again, this is still a very good spot for a very cheap tight end, who I try to add in a lot of my leagues as my tight end two or my tight end three in some deeper leagues. $3,600 Logan Thomas. Uh, this is a very strong cash play. Just, just play Logan Thomas in cash and move on. And then some of my final yeses, Travis Kelsey is always going to be a yes. It's just, can you afford him, right? When you have guys like George Kittle on the slate, when you have guys like Mark Andrews on the slate, it makes it a little bit more difficult to afford a guy in Travis Kelsey, but he was fourth in target separation in week one. Saw two red zone targets, six catches on six of his targets, hundred percent catch rate for a 19% target share. And he also scores a touchdown. It's going to be a top five matchup advantage. According to pro football focus, it makes sense. His name is Travis Kelsey. He's fantastic. So Kelsey and Kittle, uh, they're going to be in play for me pretty much always. It's just a matter of, can you afford them? And when I see guys like Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz a little bit cheaper and a lot cheaper in Logan Thomas having a very good role in his team after one week. It makes me not want to go there as much. John Lou Smith actually sees a bump. He saw about a one and a half to two point projection bump when indeed we got the news that AJ Brown is likely to go into be missing this week. So John Lou Smith, I like a lot more now. He has a fine matchup against Jacksonville's secondary and Josh Jones. Last week, Josh Jones allowed 100% catch rate. Look, 73% of the snaps, 13 slot snaps, and 18% target share for John Lou Smith. Gets in the end zone on seven targets, 34 yards after the catch, which was his calling last year. He's very good in yards after the catch. I think he finished fourth overall there last year. Picks up right again this week with 34. Had a red zone look that he converted for a touchdown. John Smith at $4,200. It's a very nice option as well. And then my final yes, I'm okay going there in cash, but he's the exact same price as Logan Thomas. So more of a GPP play, more of a stacking play for my Philip Rivers stacks is Jack Doyle. A lot of us liked him last week. He's pretty much the same price as he was last week after having a very good role. Look, he's going to have a fine matchup against Anthony Barr in this Minnesota secondary. That was very bad last week. He had an 8.7% target share. We need to see that go up, but it was just one week. Philip Rivers loves his tight ends. So I assume he's going to use them a little bit more than the 37% of the time he uses running backs. Still high percentage is going to go to the running backs, but I expect a little bit more of a target share increase for Jack Doyle. Doyle saw 12.2 
yards per target. That was third in the league. He was third in yards per route run among tight ends. So he's very efficient last week. Now he just needs the volume. I'm fine going there. Some other considerations, Evan Ingram, TJ Hawkinson, Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki, Jimmy Graham, actually, believe it or not, he saw 31 routes and a decent target share. Chris Herndon, Noah Fant, and Tyler Higby. I'm really not going to be going back and chasing Dallas Goddard with the price hike now. So that is where I'm at right now. This is going to be a longer video and podcast, but that's what we need. We need to give you all the information. Now, over on Patreon, I have 20 plus pages of game-by-game notes, projections, rankings, a closing thoughts podcast, showdown information, a bunch of stuff that's going to help you out. Link down below. Check it out and support over on Patreon because the more informed you are, the more you're going to win. All capital letters, win more, be informed. And that's what Patreon is going to help you do. It's going to help you be more informed, which is going to help you have a better odds and chances of winning. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button before you go. Be sure to check out the sponsors of today's video, Jock Market, changing the absolute way you play daily fantasy sports by clashing it with a stock exchange. The app is linked down below in the description. Go ahead, check that bad boy out. And Monkey Knife Fight, free $50 rooskies if you sign up on Monkey Knife Fight using the promo code VETRI, V-E-T-R-I. All that information is linked down below. Go ahead and support those very, very lovely companies. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will be live at 10 a.m. East Coast time on Sunday. We're going to be taking questions, Q&A for about an hour, an hour and a half. I will see you all then. Check out the rest of the content on this channel for this week and I'll see you in the next one.